The sermon text for tonight's sermon is found in Philippians 3, 1 to 16. Philippians 3, 1 to 16. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by all means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Father, I want to be like Paul so bad I can taste it. I love this passage of Scripture with all my heart. I love what he feels. I love his aspirations. I love his honesty. I love his raw language. I love his Christ. We want to be this way, Lord. We want to treasure Christ like this. Whatever gain I had... Accounted as loss on account of Christ. Indeed, account everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Oh, that every person in the hearing of my voice would mean that. Lord, I cannot create that kind of affection in people's hearts. I can't make it in my own. This is a gift. 
This is the work of the Holy Spirit who sent into the world to magnify the Son. And the Son is magnified where we are satisfied in Him more than in anything. And so come, Holy Spirit. Come. Bless your word. Bless this church. Bless the vision of treasuring Christ together. Don't leave us to ourselves. Don't let us be a big, slick machine. May Christ be central. Christ be at the bottom. Christ be at the top. Christ be deep. Don't leave us. Come. Do a mighty work across these three campuses, I pray, on this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. Treasuring Christ Together is the name that we have given to the overarching strategy for fulfilling our mission statement, which is we exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. And lest it be taken for granted, just know this. Whenever we say the words, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God, we mean people getting saved. As well as Christians being awakened from a low view of God to a big view of God. To spread a passion in the world where people feel zero passion for God. Not just getting little passions into big passions, which is important but getting zero into something. Whether it's the Philippines through drama or your workplace through a simple testimony or here through a sermon. So, treasuring Christ together is a strategy. We're going to talk about it for three weeks of trying to flesh that out in a local church. Not an easy thing to do. So if you like cosmic flow charts, here's one. I'll paint it in the air. God. Creator. Word of God, the Bible, inerrant, infallible. Our charter for life and faith. Mission statement. On the walls, I know it's not there at the south site, but someday. Mission statement, trying to flesh out in a sentence that we can all memorize what the Bible means for us in our existence. And under that, a strategy called Treasuring Christ Together. So I want to talk about what that strategy is. Here's what it is in a sentence. It's a commitment to multiplying campuses, planting churches, and caring for the poorest of the poor through the global diaconate. So TCT, Treasuring Christ Together, has three parts. I hope we can all repeat this. 
It has a way of planting, multiplying campuses so that this one downtown doesn't have to have 10,000 people in it. But rather we have multiple campuses, one church. That's a strategy. And the second part is we want to plant churches that are independent, not just one church in several locations, but many churches independent of one another, flourishing, all of them under the Bethlehem elder affirmation of faith. We're not interested in planting generic evangelical churches with wishy-washy commitments to the Bible. We have a statement of faith 12 pages long. The churches we have planted have elders who sign on. We believe something specific about God. We have a vision of Christ. We want it to be multiplied. And the third piece is, everywhere you go in the Bible, God has a heart for the poor. And so, the global diaconate is that. What it looks like financially is every dollar... There's a little line item on the worship folder. I mean, uh, worship, uh, what do you call it? Envelope. There's a line item called TCT, Treasure in Christ Together. Every dollar that goes there is 80 cents for multiplying campuses. Got to pay for these buildings. And 10 cents for church planting and 10 cents for the global diaconate. The church voted on those percentages four years ago. They have unleashed hundreds of thousands of dollars for church planting and hundreds of thousands of dollars so far for the poorest of the poor. And I anticipate that millions more are going to be unleashed for the poorest of the poor and for church planting. Now, what I want to do in three weeks is make the TCT strategy understandable so that if you love this church, you can get your arms around this and know why we're here and how we're moving forward. Second, I want to inspire your joy in being a part of it. It's a glorious thing, even though we're little, tiny, insignificant individual people, to know that we can be attached to something very significant and globally important. And number three, I want to motivate you in a 14-month financial thrust forward, which you'll hear more about later. So before we go to Philippians 3 and see what it's really all about, let me say a word about each of these three commitments of treasuring Christ together. Number one, we are one church on three campuses now, Lord willing, more. One in Moundsview, one in Burnsville, and one downtown where we do this Saturday evening service, which is then shown on the videos at two of the campuses the next Sunday morning where the preacher is not in person. The downtown campus was purchased for $13,500 in 1885. There were additions to the downtown campus in 1914, 1955, 1991, 
and 2003. And the church now owns all the property from 13th Avenue there to the Masterworks building, five doors down along 7th Avenue, so that if God were to give us a vision for that land between here and there for some kind of ministry, we would be able to do it. No debt on this complex downtown. We own it. We've paid for it. This people has been very, very generous. After worshiping for two years in Northwestern College Auditorium, the North Campus folks now have moved in in June of 2005 to their own North Campus building. It cost $9 million point five to buy and build out that campus so far. And it is, as you know, North Campus folks, yet to be finished, which is part of what we're about in the next 14 months, Lord willing. There remains $7.6 million of debt on that building to a bank and half a million to ourselves, which we hope to knock out in some significant ways in the months to come. The South site was launched a year ago, September, and so they just celebrated their one-year anniversary at the Burnsville High School, and I'm looking you right in the eye. We together are dreaming that God would, sooner than anybody thinks is affordable, raise up a permanent location there in Burnsville or some nearby suburb where they could plant themselves in a more permanent way, just like the North Campus has done. One church, presently on three campuses, perhaps, God willing, more. How are we one? Eight ways. One, a single mission statement and an overarching philosophy of ministry to adults and children and youth. Two, a single affirmation of faith for all the leaders and teachers and elders. Three, a single constitution, including a broader member affirmation of faith. Three, I mean four, a single council of elders and all church pastors. Five, a single proclamation of God's word in corporate worship on the weekend. Six, a single band of missionaries whom we all support. Seven, a single budget. Eight, a single treasuring Christ together strategy and income flow to pay for these campuses. So, the first of the three commitments of treasuring Christ together is one church on multiple campuses. Number two, planting churches. We really believe that among all the ways to do evangelism and to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ, planting churches, new churches that have to make it on their own is a very powerful means of accomplishing that mission. Since the fall of 2003, when Treasuring Christ Together was launched, we have funded six church plants. Berean Missional Church in St. Paul, All Nations Christian Fellowship in Brooklyn Center, Treasuring Christ Together Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, Grace Community Church in Memphis, Tennessee, 
Celebration Church in Orlando, Florida, and Glory of Christ Baptist Church in Rogers, Minnesota, just a few weeks ago. Ten percent of every dollar that's given to Treasuring Christ together goes, and you've given over $300,000 to fund these churches in, since 2003. And Kenny Stokes, among the many hats that he has to wear, pray for that poor fellow, is that he uh, organizes and maintains an increasingly significant relational network of the leaders of those churches so they're not just cast off on their own. That's number two. First, one church, multiple campuses. Second, planting new independent churches, not dependent on mother after two or three years financially. And number three, the global diaconate or the commitment to care for the poorest of the poor. We decided when we knew we had to pay for these campuses to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, we should tax ourselves as a kind of reminder, an ever-present, disciplined, present reminder that as we sit here in these amazingly comfortable buildings, well-fed, well-clothed, a billion people would be called seriously poor in this world. The poorest of the poor. And so we thought, let's never let that out of our minds. How easy it is for it to go out of our minds. So we made it hard for ourselves. There's some people that don't like this strategy. This makes all of our paying for buildings harder because we will not let you give to TCT around the global diaconate. We won't let you designate gifts for the building. You try to do an in run around church planting 10% and globally acting 10%, we won't have it. That's what we voted on. That's what we're committed to because this is huge in God's heart. And so I looked at the list of the last three years and... You have given $340,000 to the global diaconate. 240000 of that has been given away already to bless and strengthen the poor in the name of Christ. It's overseen by a very loving and knowledgeable committee headed by Scott Purser. They are hugely important because they are God's stewards of our money that we want to get where it will count the most for the glory of Christ and the relief of need. So... Pray for that committee. Every mortgage payment we make is stamped with the reminder to bless the poorest of the poor. So my prayer for the next three weeks is that this vision, one church on multiple campuses, planting churches, global diaconate to care for the poorest of the poor will become very intelligible, that its significance will rise in your hearts, that you will feel drawn to be a personal part of it in prayer and giving, and that over the next years, as God gives us life and grace, we will see thousands of people come to Christ and be gathered into churches and the poor, blessed in the name of Jesus, and be relieved of their suffering forever. Turn with me now to Philippians chapter 3, please. I want to spend the rest of our time showing you what's the point of all this? What's you, what is this really about? Is this just a kind of a catchy phrase, treasuring Christ together? Kind of a 
fundraising catcher so that you can pay for the North Campus and buy a South Campus and have a fourth campus. Is, is, what's the point of this little phrase, treasuring Christ together? And what's the point of the whole strategy and the vision? And there is simply no better text. The text, the term was born out of this text four years ago, and it remains rooted here in a most beautiful way. Paul does in these verses what I want to happen at Bethlehem and in the city. He shows how valuable Christ is to him and to us. He models in his own heart the value of Christ. That's what these verses are all about. The value of Christ. The supreme value of Christ. He speaks of rejoicing in Christ, glorying in Christ, knowing Christ, gaining Christ, being found in Christ, making Christ his own, and finally obtaining the prize who is Christ. And I want us to see all of those up close As I do this, would you pray? I don't know how you listen to sermons. I'll tell you how you should listen to sermons. You should listen to sermons praying. You don't have to pray out loud while you're listening. You should just periodically be whispering, God, do this text in me. You don't have to say, do John Piper's ideas. Just do this text in me. Make this happen in me. That's the way I would, that's the way I prepared the message. And that's the way I would like you to receive the message. So I will try to be very disciplined in my following this text so that you can sit under the word and the Holy Spirit can do it. Verse one, Philippians chapter three. Finally, my brothers, Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is writing from prison when he says that. We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as well as the 16th chapter of Acts, that the Philippian church was poor and afflicted. So the writer is in prison, the hearers are poor, being afflicted, and he says to them, rejoice in the Lord. Which means, I know you don't have circumstances that are worth rejoicing in. I don't have circumstances that are worth rejoicing in. I am not asking you to glorify your circumstance. I'm asking you, be happy in Jesus. I'm telling you to be happy in Jesus. So the first thing we hear is treasuring Christ means count Christ so much more important and so much more precious and valuable than your circumstances that in bad circumstances you may be happy in him. That's what it means to treasure Christ. And when we say do it together, we mean we need to help each other. We've got to help each other do this. Verse 2. 
he warns them about those who made circumcision the basis of their acceptance with God. Or you could add any religious rite or practice you want. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, the circumcision. For we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. What does he mean by that? Who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So this time he doesn't say, rejoice in the Lord. He says, Glory in Christ Jesus. Literally exult in Christ Jesus. Literally boast in Christ Jesus. These people, these dogs, these people that were mutilating, doing circumcision in order to impress God and solidify their standing in grace, were like the Pharisee. In Luke 18, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this publican. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I have. He's thanking God, and his boast is what God is helping him do to perform these proper rituals. That's his boast. And Paul says, no. It's a dog-like way to relate to God. We will glory not in ritual or performance or ethnicity. We will glory in Christ. Christ will be all to us. That's what it means to treasure Christ together. Together meaning we help each other. Help each other. Verses 4 to 6, he lists the religious and ethnic distinctives in which he could boast if he wanted to. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, get this, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And he said, it means nothing to me. That's a pretty good pedigree. That's a good ethnic pedigree, Hebrew of the Hebrews, and it's a good religious pedigree, zeal unsurpassed in my generation. Garbage. Verses 7 and 8. Whatever gain I had, and he's referring to that list, whatever gain I had, Accounted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, account everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, just knowing Him. 
is more valuable than all my pedigree, all my ethnicity, all my religious performances. Knowing Him surpasses the value of all of that. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Notice three ways. Three ways that he expresses the supreme importance of Christ. Verse 7, I count all as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, he's more worthy than everything. Number two, verse 8, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. So to know Christ, here's where you should be praying. To know Christ is more important than anything. Family, health, job, money, and life. Is he? Are you praying? I have to pray every day. God, do this in me. By nature, I'm a, I'm a man lover, I'm a praise lover, I'm a thing lover, I'm a computer lover, I'm a wife lover, I'm a health lover, I'm a retirement lover, I'm a book lover. And unless you come and open my eyes to see who he is, I won't love him. This won't be true for me. I'll just read this and it'll be like a foreign language. That's what I mean. That's what we mean by treasuring Christ. And when we say together, we mean we help each other. You need any help? I need help. Pray for me. Exhort me. If you need to criticize me, I can't do this alone. The church is not an afterthought. Verse 9, he explains why Christ is so precious over against these performances of his. You got any performances? Some in this room feel like they got zero performances, and some of you have been so squeaky clean for so long, you got lots of performances. So verse 9 tells us why both groups should take heart. I want to be found in him, Christ, not having a righteousness of my own. And he's listed what that is. Righteousness under the law, blameless. I got some performances. I got some accomplishments. I got some morality. And I want it. I don't want it. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So being found in Christ, that is being united to Christ in a permanent relationship of identity. A permanent relationship of identity. And I mean permanent. Forever and ever and ever and ever. We will never cease to need to be identified with Jesus for our standing with God. 
because we'll always have a bad track record in our background. Verse 6 said, As to righteousness under the law, blameless. And now he says, I don't want to have that as my life. I want to have Christ as my life. And I promise you, I promise you, when you are told you have a week to live, you won't want your record either. You'll only want one thing, Christ and His righteousness. You just want to be swallowed up in Christ. That's what this chapter is about. It's what treasuring Christ together, helping each other, is about. Verse 12. This is one of my favorite statements in all the Bible because better than any statement I know of in the Bible, verse 12 helps me put together the fight of faith and the total assurance that I'm going to make it. You got some tensions there? You read your Bible and it says, do, do, do. Fight the fight, fight the fight, fight the fight. Press on, narrow way, gate tight. Will I make it? Listen to this amazing verse. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but... I press on, so there's the fight part, I press on to make it my own. And here's the sweet part. Because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. You get that? (laughs) I don't coast, I don't drift. Christ is too precious to coast and drift. I press on, I strive, I reach, I long, I ache, I yearn. I want to obtain the fullness of my intimacy, the fullness of perfection, the fullness of fellowship. I want that so bad. I don't have it in fullness yet. I've tasted it, and it is good. And I want it all. I'm pressing on, I'm pressing in, I'm laying hold. Why? Because you're uncertain that you're going to make it. No. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I reach for him because I am held by him. I hope none of you, I hope none of you says, If he's holding me, I don't need to reach. God help you. If that's your theology. God help you. If you don't want to reach for Christ. The evidence that he's got you. You want him. You want him. It is fullness. As much fullness as you can have now. And you want that last prize. That's what it means 
to treasure Christ. And we say together because we help each other. Can't do it by ourselves. Verses 13 and 14. Finally. The final prize. He wants it more than anything. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. There it is again. Straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God had called Paul through Jesus Christ. And the prize of the call would be Christ. Christ in perfect, whole fellowship, no more sin, no more depression, no more discouragement, no more failure, no more regrets, just the fullness of joy on a new heaven, on a new earth, in a new heaven, forever. That's the prize. Everything was rubbish. Compared to that, and so that's what it means to treasure Christ. And we do it together, meaning we're a church. We're not isolated individuals. We got to help each other treasure Christ. Some people get up in the morning feeling little valuing for Christ. Others get up in the morning feeling more. They need each other. Families need each other. Small groups need each other. We got to find ways to be in each other's lives. The word together at the end of the little phrase treasuring Christ is not a throwaway word. This is a church strategy. Oh, there's so much more I want to say, which is why it's going to be a three-week series and not a one-week series. Treasuring Christ together means helping each other rejoice in Christ, glory in Christ, Know Christ, gain Christ, be found in Christ, lay hold of Christ, and attain the prize of Christ forever. That's what this is about. It's about Him. Structures. <laughs> I will be happy when I die no longer to have to figure out how to do church. Because the king and head will sit at the table to structure the organization of heaven. And I won't have to stay up till midnight every three weeks with these elders trying to figure out how to do church. I will be happy. But that's our job. It's our job. And we just need you to Link arms with us and help make it happen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are an imperfect church. I get regular reminders to that effect 
and I know it to be so. And I ask for your help that we not grow weary in well-doing and that we not be distracted from treasuring Christ and helping each other treasure Christ into the structures that enable buildings to come into being and small groups to come into being and Sunday school classes to come into being and choirs to come into being and outreach efforts to come into being all so important and so helpful and and so not the main thing. So God, help us to keep the main thing the main thing, which is from our hearts, together, treasuring you and spreading that passion among all the peoples that we know. I ask this for Southside folks and North Campus folks as we move together into these cities and into the lives of tens of thousands of people. In Jesus' name, amen.